All right. Are we good to go? Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome. I know there's a lot of great commotion in the room this morning. We'll get you to grab your chairs. Let me take a moment to say good morning to everybody who is online. It's great to have you here as well with us today at Colwood Church. Um, my name is Sean, and I'm one of the pastors here on this team. And if we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, welcome to Colwood Church. It's great to have you here. Hey, let's give a round of applause for all of our fathers in the room, though. That's a big deal. We're thankful for you, dads. It is good, and so it is good to have you all here today. Um, so today, I, I would like to uh, jump into our series, and I'd like to speak to us all from the subject of controversy. Uh, some of you people in the West, you may know this word as controversy, kind of boring, right? Like when you think of it, try it. Controversy, say it. Controversy. Like it just sounds more intriguing and it's just more interesting. And so this idea of controversy um, actually has to do, it's steeped in like strong disagreement, perhaps with people, opinion. And so there is, uh, I'm going to actually talk to us, I think today about some controversies <laughs> that are around us. So let's, let's kind of start this way because we need to solve something here today. This is super important for us. So, so let's do it. A sandwich um, is, is, is defined as having a layer of bread here, a layer of bread here with either a condiment and meat and cheese or something in the middle. Sandwich. The controversy is this. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Like, you got to think about it. Two pieces of bread, there's something in the middle, a little mustard, a little relish, ketchup, controversy. How many of you would say that a hot dog is a sandwich? Well done. Well done. True to definition, it is. How many of you would say? <laughs> yeah. Not if you separate the bread. And so suddenly there it is. And I'm not going to argue with you because you'll just mute me and then I got nothing. So, <laughs> see, he did it already. So, <laughs> other controversies that are around us. Okay. Who? What is the better pet? Is it a dog or is it a cat? Right? So how many of you are the dog people? Yeah, how many of you are the cat people? You're wrong. Anyway, so like controversy. I mean, we got it everywhere. Don't even get me started on the moon landing right now, okay? Uh, when we talk about the controversy, we could talk about pizza toppings. I mean, we could talk about clowns, politics, religion, controversy everywhere because somebody has something to say and you want to know who else is a person of controversy. His name is Jesus. And I actually like to talk to you about this Jesus this morning and some of the controversies that he has brought to us. Now, to do that today, uh, we're going to look in the Bible, which is Jesus's book. He speaks to us from it. Um, I'm going to be spending most of my time today in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 11, but I'm going to backpedal just a bit into John chapter 13, and this is where it starts. So it says, as soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said this. Okay, so uh, just for context, Judas is that guy. This is the guy that, you know, betrayed Jesus and walked out. This is that moment. Judas has now left the building, and Jesus says this. The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. 
And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will soon give glory to the Son. Now, dear children, I will be with you only a little bit longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you'll search for me, but you can't come to where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Somebody say love. This is going to be important for us. Uh, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. In fact, your love for one another is going to prove to this world that you are my disciples. So Peter, another one of Jesus' disciples, says, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you'll follow me later. And he's predicting that Peter's going to die later in the future as well. But Peter's like, but why can't I come with you now, Lord? I'm, I'm ready to die for you, Jesus. And Jesus answered him, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times that you even knew me. Okay. Then Jesus continues, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you will know the way to where I'm going. To which another one of the disciples now says, no, we actually don't have any idea, Jesus, where you're going. Um, so how can we really know the way? And Jesus makes his I am statement in this moment. He comes and he says, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody, somebody say nobody. nobody, nobody, he says, can actually get to the Father except through Jesus. Now, if you had really known me, you would know who my Father is, and from now on, you do know him, and, and you've seen him. Another one of the disciples, Philip, chimes in, Lord, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus replies, have I seriously been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me and the words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have actually seen me do these last three years. Let's pray. Thanks, Jesus, for your words. Now today, probably one of the most controversial statements that you have ever made shows up in this text. So please help us to learn today to wrestle with and to address this controversy um, that is in front of us. I give you thanks for this morning and what is happening so far. But Father, we ask that you teach us more today. So I give you thanks for this moment and I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This morning, I would like to speak to us from the subject of controversy. Anybody annoyed with that word yet so far? Because I'm going to keep using it. <laughs> we, uh, we are continuing our series in the I Am statements of Jesus. These are declarations that Jesus has made about himself, and he's trying to communicate many things. To lead to this text today, we have to go over to Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Early in Jesus' life, he makes this comment, and we see it about him, and it says this, that Jesus was resolute on getting to Jerusalem. He had his eyes focused, he was set on getting to this city. 
the reason he needed to get to that city was he was anticipating the way he would be martyred and executed on a cross. Could you, be, could you like associate yourself today for a moment with Jesus and being so resolute to go to your death? I mean, this is what Jesus is doing. I'm so resolute on getting to Jerusalem. And then in John chapter 13, in front of his disciples, after Judas has now betrayed him, Peter's about to deny him. Jesus lets these guys know that, listen, the time has now come. I told you I was resolute over here. Now, here we go. This is about what is to take place. It's the night before his death. And he is saying, I'm only here just a little bit longer with you. And in all of this chaos that is happening around, Jesus says one more thing. Oh, yeah, and before I go, here's the new command. And the new command is this. I need you to love each other. Somebody say love. Uh, like, if you love each other well, this is going to be the sign that you are actually my followers. And then what Jesus steps into after he makes the love statement is full of controversy for you Westerners. And so what I want to do is I actually want to take a look at the controversy that Jesus pitches in those verses as he makes his way to the I am statement of the way, the truth, and the life. So the first um, controversy today that we see in this text is the controversy of trouble. So as we, we look at what Jesus is saying, he comes out right away and he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Anybody ever experienced trouble before in your life or do I be alone with three people? Okay, I, like this idea of do not let your hearts be troubled, I got to tell you, I really do not like God's sense of humor sometimes. You know, I am preparing for this this week and I am given news on Tuesday morning that is riddled with trouble. I'm like, not funny, God because he is preparing me as I'm about to communicate even today. We all know trouble. We've all experienced trouble. We are going to experience further in our lives trouble. But I want us to consider the moment that is in front of us here in John chapter 14. We need to see that someone has just betrayed Jesus. Someone is about to deny Jesus three times. Jesus even tells his best friends that he's about to disappear like a ghost. And he then looks at them and he says, guess what, guys? Don't let your hearts be troubled. <laughs> wink, wink, right? And what are these guys going to do? They're absolutely rattled. Like, yeah, right, Jesus, don't tell us to have a troubled heart right now. You just told us and we just walked, our, some of our own guys are here and they're, don't let your hearts be troubled. But if you look at the controversy of trouble, you'll notice that it continues. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Then Jesus says something really important. He goes this, trust in God and trust also in me. And therein lies the controversy of trouble. Trouble's coming. The question is, who will you trust within the trouble? Many of us, we have an aptitude to actually begin trusting in other things. I'm going to take care of it myself. I am going to be the one who is going to make sure that I'm going to be okay. And yet Jesus says, that's not what this is about. This is about trusting in me. So when trouble comes, may I ask you today, 
who do you trust? Or what are you going to trust? And I actually think that we live in so much controversy and turmoil, it's because we choose to pay attention to the trouble rather than the trust that Jesus invites us to. In fact, when you look at this very first sentence in John chapter 14, it is a sentence of faith. Jesus is asking you and I today, where is your faith? Where is your trust? In fact, in verse 1 and verse 11, the bookends of the text that we're using today, the language that Jesus brings is believe. I want you to trust in me. I want you to believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me. And he wraps it all together in this one question. Who do you trust? Author Tenney would say this, that Jesus' solution to perplexity is not a recipe. It is a relationship with him. Jesus is inviting you and I today into a relationship when the controversy of trouble is all around. And he is asking you and I to trust. Do you know that there is a promise, I believe, within Jesus' words today, is that you can have an untroubled heart even in a troubled life when you place your trust in Jesus. The second controversy of heaven, I know my wife is just shaking her head at me in the front row. Oh, you say I can do it still? Okay, great. This is great. But uh, I, I like this. It's the controversy of heaven. And uh, when I look at this text, I, I'm actually reminded of this old band that I used to l love listening to called Audio Adrenaline. Anybody familiar with Audio Adrenaline? Come and go with me to my father's house. Come and go with me to my father's house. I see your lips. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. It's a big, big table with lots and lots of food like pizza. A big, big yard where we could play football. A big, big house. It's my father's house. So good. I love audio adrenaline. That was good times right there, actually. I'm glad that you're here for that today. I, I want you to see this, though. No, notice that in this, in this craziness as Jesus starts to talk about heaven, notice that he does not say, uh, welcome to my father's hotel. He says house. And it's personal. He is not looking for your money. He is not looking for you to earn something to come to his house. He is just simply saying, come to my father's house, and you have space in my room or in my home for you. I love that about Jesus. I got to be honest. I've been thinking quite a bit about death recently. A lot. We have had people in our church family who have gone to be with Jesus. And I'm thinking lots about eternity these days. As you sit with families and wrestle through the chaos that is their storm, it's hard. I, I'm not going to lie, and I'll admit I have a lot of questions I'd like to ask Jesus about death and eternity and heaven. A lot of answers that I, I do not have. But in the controversy of heaven, our culture believes a couple of things. We believe that everyone is going to heaven, including dogs, apparently, uh, which is probably true. Um, all paths actually lead to heaven are things that we believe and we see. Many people think that they can have heaven without Jesus. 
Many um, don't accept Jesus as the only way there. Many people can't accept Jesus as the only way to heaven. In 2021, Pew Research took a poll with 6,500 adults to discover these things about eternity. And you'll see them on the screen, but that 73% of adults believe in heaven, 62% believe in hell, but 25% of us don't believe in either. The religiously unaffiliated, 37% believe in heaven, 28% believe in hell, which is kind of amusing to me. But these are things that people believe. So talk about controversy even when it comes to eternity. But this is what I know about Jesus. Jesus spoke with a lot of confidence about heaven. He told us in this text today that there is a lot of space for a lot of people. He, he told us that he's gone to prepare a room for you. And this is interesting about this preparation of a room because I remember um, both 19 years ago and 16 years ago, my own children coming into my home with Lisa. But guess what we did? We had these rooms in our house that we designated. One, we had no clue what he would be because we thought we're going to keep it a secret, but Jacob came into the world. And we had prepared this kid's room in a way that was fitting for us. There was a crib. There was the chair because you were going to be up all night uh, taking care of this child who wouldn't stop crying. Like, I mean, all of these pieces. But we did a lot of specific things for his room in preparation. Then we knew that we were getting a girl. Well, that was a whole other level, and we prepared the room. And this is what Jesus has done for us today. He has gone to prepare a room specific for you in his house, and he wants you to be there with him. But the only way that you get to go to this room is a choice. That's the beauty about Jesus. He always leaves you with a choice. You're not going to be forced, but you will be told how you can see this house. And this whole thing wrapped around heaven, eternity, is actually summed up in this thing called choice. And it's whether or not you will do what Jesus said first. Do not let your hearts be troubled. What did it say? Trust in God. Trust also in me. This is what it comes down to with this controversy of heaven. Is, is it founded on the person of Jesus Christ? Now, there are a couple things with heaven that I think we struggle with in Western culture. Let me share with you just a couple of them. Number one is, is over here, you're born into this world, and then there's this long line. This is your life. And within this span of, of time, you have to make a choice. The choice, obviously, is Jesus or not, but then when you get to the end of your life, you've got two options, whoop, you're going to heaven, whoop, you're going to hell, right? This is what we in the West have believed for such a really long time, but there is a lack of fullness in this picture that we have for us today, and I'm going to explain what I mean by that. See, this idea of, of, of partial truth is that heaven and hell are realities, but there's so much more to the picture when we look at the lens of Scripture, okay? So heaven, when we think of it, we're, we're thinking about angels, clouds, and cream cheese. We're, like we're thinking about streets of gold and no more pain um, and all of these pieces, which again is, is true. But did you know that, that heaven was really not really the goal at the beginning of it all? 
And that messes with some of our thinking right now, and I understand. See, at the very beginning, there was this garden. And in this garden, there was this combination of heaven and earth. And in this garden, God was in full communion. Heaven had collided with earth. So we understand heaven is real. But heaven and earth were together. A moment happened between mankind where sin then entered into the scene. And suddenly, what was this suddenly became this. And then through the course of history, we've tried to have a blend of heaven and earth in our lives, which is very important for us to see today. But the reason this picture becomes so important for us today is because in Revelation chapter 21, we are told how this whole thing is going to end. It says that there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Upon your death, it is not just about heaven, although you'll be there with Jesus. What Jesus wanted was the very beginning anyway. He wants heaven and earth to be collided. And then over here at the very end of time, he is going to ask heaven and earth to be collided again, and no hell will be present with him because this is his city. This is his kingdom. Matthew chapter 6 reminds us that um, as Jesus is teaching us how to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Where is it? On earth as it is in heaven. The whole purpose we need to understand according to Jesus was that you're not waiting till death to understand the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that when he came to this earth, heaven, the kingdom of heaven was here and now because it was through him. This idea of Jesus and heaven and the things that we have thought about it, you know what? Jesus is not waiting for you to die. He's waiting for you to bring the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of earth right now. And he wants us to live in this beautiful picture where one day again at the very end, it's going to be a combination of heaven and earth together. The other thing that I think about with heaven in our Western thinking that I find an issue with is this. The entire focus of heaven is based on the streets of gold or the pearly gates and the no sickness or death, good things. But I want to remind us today that the entire focus of heaven is because Jesus Christ is there and that we get to be with him again. Jesus tells us in verse 3, I am going to come to get you and you will always be with me not just in a house, but with me where I am. And we have had controversy over heaven, but we're missing the point. And the point is this. It is no longer about a place. It is about a person. Do not miss this point today, that heaven, as beautiful as it will be, and as eternity will be, as you've made your choice for Jesus it's about a person, and you get to be with Jesus. To me, that is a good win for the church today. But access to heaven is found through a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. The third controversy, or controversy, is of human, is of human opinion. Have you noticed this um, in your world? Anybody beside you right now? Have an opinion that you'd like to say? I've heard it from them before. No one wants to get in trouble on this Father's Day. Okay. I find it interesting, though, the things that we um, choose to listen to in our lives, the things that build a framework around our opinion. 
So sometimes it will be confirmation bias. Sometimes it's just plain old ignorance. I don't know. Some of it will be the research that we put in to find a position. And as I did at the very beginning, I know I could present many, many topics to all of us today that will have people positioned in their thought process. Controversy. And we all do it. In this text, in verse 5 and 8, we're, we're introduced to two of Jesus' disciples. The one uh, gentleman, his name is Thomas. Thomas often gets a bad rap as the, as the doubting Thomas is his nickname. But Thomas gets a, a bad rap. But in here, he says, Jesus is like, you know where I'm going. Thomas is like, uh, no, I don't. You know, like, I just don't know. And, but Thomas did because Jesus told him over and over. This was not just the first time. You go down just a few more um, sentences and you see Philip. He's like, I don't know who the father is. Will you please show me the father? And Jesus is like, well, listen, if you've seen me, you, you've seen the father. Don't you find it interesting that two, two guys who lived in very close proximity to Jesus for three years, they were so close to Jesus, and yet they still didn't understand him. Do you think the same is true today? For all of us who have done this faith thing maybe for a really long time and you still don't understand Jesus sometimes. And I want to tell you it's okay because I think we relate with the characters of the scriptures and I think that's the point. But then that's where this controversy of human opinion comes into play because then we start to make our own decisions and our own thought processes and we kind of think that we know better than Jesus. But that's not obviously true. But don't you also find it amazing how we pick and choose what we want to listen to when Jesus communicates to us? I've often liked this um, picture of a, a Starbucks spirituality analogy. I'm not a Starbucks guy. I'm not a coffee guy. But it is intriguing to me to watch my staff put their orders into Starbucks. <laughs> I'd like this thing over here with a triple shot macchiato, whatever it is. I'd like it tall, skinny, flat, white, brown. I don't know what it is. And this unbelievable description of a drink. And then they pour it into their body and it rejuvenates them for some reason. Like, go figure, right? But I'm thinking about that when it comes to this controversy of human opinion. I actually sometimes think that we carry a Starbucks spirituality with Jesus. Oh, I'd like a little bit of this. Oh, I like that. That right there, eh, don't want it. And then we have this concoction that fits oftentimes my confirmation bias. And I think that there's danger within that. In human opinion, I think we just have to go back to what Jesus is saying. If you are confused today about Jesus, that's okay. In fact, his disciples were confused. But you know what they were? They were honest in front of Jesus. You know what? I don't know what you said because it went in one ear and out the other. Or I haven't seen the Father. No, 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 no. It's okay. Be honest. But what I'm asking you to do in that honesty is talk it out with Jesus. But please make sure you align it to what he says in this book. Your opinion, believe this or not, is going to get you into trouble here and there. <laughs> Trust me, I know. <laughs> but when we begin to align to the word of God, our human opinion can sometimes go down.
Okay, the last time that I can say controversy is the fourth point. But then Jesus makes the statement, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. That's why we're doing this series to wrestle with these hard sayings of Jesus. It's here where Jesus reveals perhaps the greatest exclusive claim of all time. And it actually hinges on your choice, and it also hinges on your eternity. This claim that, is, that was on the screens has captured history's attention for such a really long time. People love this statement, and people struggle with this statement. But I find it interesting that in John 14, 6, Jesus makes this statement, I am the way, the truth, and life, but I want you to know that God said it before him. In fact, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, in probably one of the most popular um, pieces of scripture, the Ten Commandments, which is going to be our summer series. But God says, you should have no other, what, in front of him? No other gods. I mean, God is the OG. I mean, he wrote it over here already, and Jesus is reinforcing the fact that he came in, and this is it. And so all of the sudden, what is presented to us with Jesus, and yet people struggle with it, God has been saying it for all time. In that same study that I showed to you uh, a few moments ago, Pew Research said this one other statistic. It said that 40% of the people who were polled in that even said this, that those who do not believe in God can go to heaven. 40%. Does anybody see the controversy here? Because Jesus is saying something, and yet 40%, just of that poll, is saying that's not true. So please focus with me just for a moment on the definitive word in the statement. Can you put that statement back up, Mark, actually? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Look at the definitive word of the. Notice that Jesus uses the word the three times. Very important. Three is a good number in scripture as well. But he is talking about it in the definitive way of that this is final. Like this is it. It's complete. So this is what Jesus is saying to you and I today when he makes the statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is saying that he is not a way, but he is the way. He is not here to teach a truth, but he is the truth. He's here not to offer secrets to the successes and the fun of your life, but that he is the life. He is saying that he is the open the way, but he is the way. He is confirming the truth, yes, but he is the truth. And I love this about Jesus. He says that I purchased the life, but I am the life for our lives. And A. Kempis sums it up perfectly to me. But he says, without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. Um, on this platform today, I know that we may wrestle with, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But folks, I'm here to tell us today that there are no options here. This is purely singular. His name is Jesus. And if you think that there is a better truth or a better life, or a better way, which the word way in its original content means a road. If you think there's another road to Jesus, 
I'm here to tell you, I think you are wrong. According to what I see my Jesus say to us. And Jesus tells us, if you have seen me, you have seen my father. And he has this beautiful interaction with his disciples. And he lands it even a few verses down with the person of the Holy Spirit. So even what Jesus does in John chapter 14 is a beautiful picture of the Trinity, three in one. It's a theology that Jesus shows us. We are all the same deal here. John chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus says this. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I underline the word truth there intentionally because it is the same word that Jesus uses in his statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is saying, all fingers point to me, all ways to God go through me. But if you come to me, I will give you the life that you need. Remember, folks, how just a moment ago I said to us, this has nothing to do with a place, although that place will be glorious one day. It has to do with a person. And we have to wrap ourselves around the person of Jesus Christ. In my notes all week, I've struggled with this sentence that's in my notes. And um, as I kept reading it and going over it, I think I was in controversy with myself. I, I don't know if I agreed with it. This is what it says. It says, in all of this controversy that we have wrestled with this morning, you want to know what isn't controversial? And then the answer is love. And I think I'm wrong. Have you ever noticed how controversial love could be as well, too? I think maybe the better framework of this is um, you want to know what isn't controversial? And it's Jesus' love. Now let me explain and close. Jesus is love. When he makes this admission that I am the way, the truth, and the life, this is not a statement of being a bigot or being intolerant to a world. It is a statement of love. And this is why I know that, is because what Jesus did in this model of love is he died for you and for me. You will not be able to locate for me in this world another faith religion who has sacrificed somebody for you. You will not find another deity in this world who got up out of the grave and conquered death. You will not find it. And yet Jesus, when he makes the statement, I am it, and we're like, no, you're not. There's got to be. No, there's no other way. He died for us to give us a chance, to give us a hope. And I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But Jesus, he models love. And what did he say to his disciples as he's on his way out to the door, to the cross, to his tomb? He said, I want you to do one thing here. I want you to love one another. And as you love one another, you will model to this world. Jesus is the model of love. He gave up his life, but he conquered death. 
and he reigns today, and he is the access point. He is the door. He is the gate. He is the shepherd. He is the resurrection and the life, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. You get to go to this eternity. You get to go to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven collided again, Revelation 21, one day because he is the way, because he is the truth, because he is the life. And the invitation that he gives to us is that I want you to as well model to this world this love. That in all of the controversy that surrounds us all, you want to know what the way to that is? Is love. Because Jesus' love is the way for this world to know today. And I love how Jesus invites us in. He's like, I want you. I want you to be the lead. So, in all things controversial, in all things controversy, love. Because Jesus died for you, for me. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And one day, you're going to rock out with me to audio adrenaline in my Father's house. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your grand plan. I can only imagine if I could put myself into your mind, God, and forgive me for that. It's so limited for me but how heaven and earth were co-joined in a garden and we messed it up and we've messed it up since. And I'm so thankful for your graciousness to provide another way and that was the sacrifice of your son. So happy Father's Day to you for what you did for me. And one day soon I know that you are going to combine heaven and earth again in its totality and you're going to kick the hell out of all of us. It has no place in your perfection. And I look forward to that day, but in the meantime, you are asking me to bring the realities of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of this earth and to live as a citizen. And I pray that you will help us to be a people who bring the love of Christ. Help us, God, to believe when a world is telling us don't believe and there are many ways. Help us to not listen to the deceit and the lie. Help us to see the truth is how you identified yourself. Help us is my prayer. So I give you thanks today that in the midst of controversy, I can still trust in you. I could still put my attention to you and you will see me through. I ask, Father, that you will help all of us in this place today to have an untroubled heart, even in a troubled life. Teach us to trust you, I pray. And with all eyes closed and heads bowed, and whether you're in the room or you're online with us this morning, I have placed an incredible statement in front of you that maybe you've never acknowledged nor accepted. Eternity does matter for you. And Jesus wants you to know today that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to be with him in his father's house one day, the access point is him. But perhaps you are in this space today and you have never accepted Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. This is an invitation today to life. 
And if you would like to receive Jesus this way today, I'm going to ask you on the count of three, if this is something that you desire, a relationship with this Jesus, that you would raise your hand, you would look at me, then you could place your hand back down. What an opportunity for you. And if you're online with us today, you'll click that link where you will be directed as well. And we want to be in relationship with you to make that happen. But if you're in this room today and you would like to have Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life for you, the choice is yours. We offer it to you today. On the count of three, if there's anyone here, one, two, three. Is there anybody here? Thank you. I see your hands there. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Father, I thank you this morning for how you speak. Jesus, I know that this is an incredible statement here that is tough to swallow, but I, I know there's truth there. I know it is the truth. And I pray for my friends who are responding to you today and saying, Jesus, I want you to be that gateway for me. I want you to be that road for me. Bring me life. Teach me truth. I'm asking you today, Jesus, that you would forgive our sins as we understand that you died for us, but that you've given us this new life. And I pray for my friends that you'll take them into that new life and into that journey where there's going to be trouble that will come, but let them know today that they've placed their trust in you. You will see them through and that they can stand in these moments. As we sang earlier this morning, I will build my life on the firm foundation and I will put my trust in you alone. I will not be shaken. Let that be their story today. So Jesus, I give you thanks that new life has come today. I thank you that as we read your word, we understand that there is great rejoicing in heaven today because of people surrendering their lives to you. I pray, God, that you will protect us as we walk into this week. Allow us to focus not on the place, but the person of Jesus Christ and allow us to stand on the fact that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I love you, Jesus. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Can we say congratulations to people who said yes to Jesus Christ this morning? So good. For those of you that raised your hand or you clicked online, I'm asking you to do one more step for, for us. This is important. But text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. It'll allow us to come on a journey with you, to give you some tools to, to teach. This is a great decision, a great move today, but take this next step. I think it'll be very important for you. All the dads that are in the room today, we're so thankful for you. We're glad that you're here. There is a display over here, which is meant for pictures, so you got to make sure you get your rugrats over there, take some pictures here today. Have a fantastic week, everybody. We love you. We'll be back next week wrapping up our IM series. Have a great week. God bless.